casting. And, um, uh, and I'm going to continue with that a bit um, as we uh, talk this morning, this afternoon, about the Word of God. Um, and I had a really fantastic, awesome PowerPoint, which I spent all night doing. And unfortunately, the system isn't working. So say, ah. If you're wearing mustard today, you have an extra anointing on you. So anyone who's got any mustard on, you've got that extra, extra anointing carrying today. So we're talking about vision casting. And the statement I want to say is, where have you placed your feet? We've had a couple of words this morning. Pastor Aisha, quite a few times, uh, reinforced the word that I'm going to give today. And there's been a few words about what I'm going to talk about, which relate to where we have placed our feet. Where is it that you are actually standing? Um, so we're going to start by thinking about what it means to actually have vision. You see, when we have vision, when we have sight, it means we're able to see. And when you look at this description of what vision is, it talks about being able to see things, not just being able to see close up and seeing in distance, but it also talks about the depth of your sight. So how strong are those colors that you're able to see? And so as a church, we don't just have a vision that says, oh yeah, I can see where the church is going, but we want to have a vision that enables us to see in depth and in color. So the question I have for you is, is what is our slogan, our theme, our, our focus this year? Blessed to impact. That's what we're saying. We're saying that, Lord, we believe that for this year, for these next few years, we are blessed to impact. So I want us to just take a few minutes, and I'd like you to just turn to the person next to you and just tell with, have a couple of conversations with them about what that actually means to you. What does the statement, blessed to impact, mean to you? So you might have been thinking this through and thinking, yes, Lord, blessed to impact, that's who I am. Last week, um, uh, John got up and gave this incredible uh, talk about what blessed to impact meant for him, giving out the hampers, etc., etc. It was fantastic. So what does blessed to impact mean for you for 2019? You might turn to the person next to you and say, I haven't actually even thought about it hasn't even crossed my mind. Or you might turn to the person next to you and say, really? Is our theme blessed to impact? I, I didn't even know that. Be honest. So I'm going to give you a couple of minutes. Turn to the person next to you and tell them what does that mean? Blessed to impact means what for you? Okay, go for it.
Okay, so hopefully you all got a chance to speak. Maybe some of you were sitting there saying, I, I don't really have anything to say because I don't even, haven't even thought about it. Um, but if you haven't been thinking about it, then maybe this will cause you to begin to think about what it means. You see, I would never sign up to something that I don't agree with, would you? I, I've been to, uh, I was asked to go to a christening and uh, it was a Catholic christening and I went to the christening and we were all given the book that we had to follow and say things after, the priest at the front, and actually for most of it I was silent because actually I didn't agree with what they were saying. So I thought, I'm not going to say this, I don't agree with it, so I'm sorry I can't say it. I've been to funerals where people have stood at the front uh, and, and they've been talking about this person who, and we thank God that they are with, they are with him in heaven, and, what, and I'm sitting there thinking, what are you talking about? Unless that person gave their life to Christ just before they died, they're not going to heaven. What are you talking about? And I know it's a really, really sad, depressing time. It's a really hard time at a funeral, but I'm not going to lie. If you ask me, I'm going to tell the truth. So actually, when you go for a job, you don't go for a job if you don't agree with what it says. So when we choose to be a part of the kingdom of God, when we choose to join a church, we are saying, I agree with this. Now, you might struggle with some of the things. I got, I, on Friday night, I got home. I'd had a really, really bad day. Uh, I'd had a safeguarding issue I had to deal with at work. And, uh, and I got home, and I was thinking, Friday, hallelujah, dressing gown, Bed, prayer meeting, prayer meeting, 10.30, forget the dressing gown, forget the bed, it's the prayer meeting. So I was at home saying, oh, maybe I should just text Pastor Joe and say, do we really need to meet on a Friday night? You know, maybe we should reconsider this. So I was thinking about all these things, and then I just thought, I have to go. And then I had to go, and uh, so I got in my car, and I was doing the moaning, Lord, is this necessary? You can answer prayers in the daytime. You don't have to answer prayers at night. And I understand what the Bible says about, you know, the certain times of the day, and there is a biblical principle about, but come on, is this necessary? And then God spoke to me and said, what do you want to do? And I thought, well, I need to see things change and I need to see prayers answered. So I need to go to the prayer meeting. So I said to myself, stop moaning and get there. And do you know that prayer meeting was incredible. In fact, the 10.30 till midnight wasn't long enough. It was an amazing prayer meeting. So if you weren't there, if you were sleeping, if you were out at a party, you really missed out because it was an incredible prayer meeting. So when we sign up to things, it's not that we always agree with everything. It's not that we're always 100% for it, but we're obedient. We do it because we're signed up to it. So this church is saying we are blessed to impact. We are also saying our vision of it is a, to be a local church in Croydon and Greenwich at the moment. We are committed to following Jesus and being his disciples. That's what it says on our church website. Is that what we are? Are we committed to Greenwich? Are we committed to being a local church? Are we committed to seeing God move and transform our community? 
On, on Wednesday, we run a kids' club on the estate in Thamesmead. And on Wednesday, one of the ladies came in and she said, she brought her two children and she said, you know, I used, to, I used to come here when I was a child. So our club, we have been there every Wednesday for over 25 years. Every week. I've been going into the prison for over 25 years. We don't do things because we're a hit and miss culture. You know, the hit and miss thing is nice. Sometimes I like being asked to go and preach in places that I know I'm just going to go once because you can say whatever you want to say and then you're not going back so it doesn't matter. And that's great. I remember being asked to go to South Africa and I went to South Africa and I thought this is going to be a hit and miss because I hit and do and go because I'm going to go. I'm not coming back here regularly. It's too far. So I went, did my thing. People get healed, anointed. You know, it's amazing. And then you're gone. And then you come back and your auntie comes to you and goes, you know me back still hurting after you pray. <laughs> and you think, do you, I've just come back from South Africa, see an amazing thing, and then you come to me and tell me, this is it, isn't it? What is God doing right where you live? Because you know what? It's really nice going, going off and doing those things and seeing God do amazing things. It's, and it's interesting how that happens. Pastor Joe will say that. He'll go to Ghana, India. He'll have queues of people queuing up to be healed, set free, and God does it. And then you come home and someone come forward and again, can you pray for me about this again? But we don't, we're not that kind of people, are we? We're not a people of God who just come in, do something, and then go out. That's nice, but it's not sustainable. God has called us to be here and to be sustainable. So what is our vision and mission? Because, guys, if you don't get the vision and mission, you're going to miss the vision and mission. Your sight will continue to be blurred, and you won't see. But God has said to every single one of us, he wants us to see. He has not said to Pastor Joe, you go up the mountain, get the vision, come down, and let's just hope they catch it. That's not what he said. Actually, he said to us, to me, you get to the prayer meeting, you hear what I have to say, you pray for that, and you see it come to pass. Amen. Pastor Joe's an instrument just like anybody else. But actually, blessed to impact is my mission. It's my vision, and it's yours too. So, I'm going to do a little, I want us to do a little experiment. I'd like you to stand up. If you walked into this church off the street, so nobody told you about the church, you just walked in off the street. No, okay. I'd like you to stand up if you Googled CLF. So if you Googled or used, or used some other search engine and you came to be here through Google or something else. Woo, woo, woo. Hallelujah. Fantastic. Thank you. Brilliant. Isn't that amazing? So love that when that happens. Uh, stand up if you are here because someone spoke to you about God or about church, um, and that's why you're here. Stand up. So if you are here in this church, or if you are saved because someone spoke to you, or uh, because you are a family member or whatever. So someone, you are saved because someone spoke to you, invited you. Or invited you, yes. So somebody invited you, or they, or the, somebody led you to Christ and you came to be here, or whatever it, yeah, any of those, any of the other. So actually, I would expect to see nearly everybody standing up except for those few people. And so the reality is, just look around the room. The reality is, is that most people get saved or join the church because what? Because someone spoke to them. 
You are here because someone spoke to you. I am saved because somebody spoke to me. That's how I'm saved. So actually, church, our growth, our seeing God transform the world, God has said, I am going to use you. And sometimes, I, like in my car, I'm saying, why, Lord, why, Lord? And God said, because I've chosen to use humans. I've chosen to use you people. God has chosen. And whatever, gosh, so many times, I was on the prayer line the other day, and someone said, Angela, could you pray, please? And I never had my glasses, and I'm trying to scroll down, finding, what are they praying for? What are they praying for? What are they praying for? And then I'm thinking, I am such a rubbish Christian, because I can't even find the thing that we're meant to be praying for, that I should have been praying for for the last 10 minutes. And then I say, God, why? I can't believe you use me because I do this, this Christianity so badly. I'm not a hypocrite, though. What you see is what you get. This, I am the same here as I am at home and I'm in church. But sometimes I do Christianity really rubbishly. But God says, even so, you are the person I've chosen to use. That's what he says. I've chosen to you to speak to people. I've chosen to plant you in Greenwich so that Greenwich is transformed because you are there. Isn't that incredible? That's what God said. He said, I'm not sending Jesus again. I'm not sending him to do that. I'm not sending him to save the world. I've already done it. He's already shed his blood. He's already done it. I am sending you. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. Can we get it on the screen? Is that, is that bit working? Is that a yes? Otherwise, it means I have to put my glasses on. Okay, great. Okay, and so Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47, it says this. And they continued steadfastly in the, uh, in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then the, fear, um, then the fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all, and anyone, had, anyone who had need. So they continued daily with, uh, daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread in the house, in the house, from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Okay, we're going to stop there. And it says there about praising God. So church, we are called to come together. We're called to take communion. We're called to praise God. We're called to bring our goods. We're called to serve and give. That's what we're called to do. So what is your vision? What vision do you have? Is your vision, have you fulfilled that vision of saying, Lord, I'm going to bring everything. All that I have is, is yours. Or have you done the Ananias and Sapphira bit and said, well, I'm going to keep this little bit here and God, you can have this bit. Actually, Acts 2 Church is, and that's what we are. We're an Acts 2 Church. We're saying, Lord, we are coming together with one accord. Do we agree about everything? No. It doesn't mean we have to agree about everything, but we have one accord in common. When we prayed on Friday, we came together and said, Lord, we want to see breakthrough. One accord. We prayed and there was breakthrough. So when we come together as a church, if we are believing this, Lord, as, as your church, we're saying we are blessed to impact. You know what? That has impact. Because we have come together with one accord. And that's what we want to see. We come together. We break bread. We commune together. We serve one another in accordance with God's word. And that's when change comes. 
If you know something about physics, and I don't know anything about physics, but if you do know something about physics, in physics there is something called cause and effect. As we saw, the amount of people that stood up from cause and effect, because someone said to them, come to church. Someone talked talk to talk them about God. Actually, who I am has an effect. It can have a major effect on the people around me. It has a huge impact. My whole family was saved from one woman, one woman, my grandmother, who lived in Bexley Heath. She's 99 years old now. She still prays for everyone who comes through their door. Every single person. Her carers, it drives them mad. Because she prays for all of them. When she went into the hospital, they phoned my mum and said, please, we want to send her home. <laughs> it's too much. Every person gets prayed for. Everybody. And she says, she says, Lord, why am I still here? And we said, stop praying for people. You're here because you're so useful. Why would God take you home? It doesn't make sense. You're, you're serving God here. And she is in agony, but she prays. And we are all saved because of her. All of my, my immediate, we're saved because of her. One woman. Church, you have the power to change lives. The power of God is in you to transform a community. And we want to see Greenwich transformed. David was sharing on, at the prayer meeting that, um, that the church, there was such revival that the local community couldn't walk past where the church met, met because the anointing was so great. They had to go round a few streets a bit wider because they couldn't actually, the anointing was so great, they, it, they couldn't walk in that street. That's what we want, isn't it? Amen. We want people to know that they are in the presence of God. I am amazed when I go down some streets and, and I see... Uh, some of those uh, industrial estates, and you see Church of Anointed Crown of something, something. Church of Wings and Celestial, blah, blah, blah. Church of Holy White Cloth, da, 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 da. Church of da, da, da. And I drive past and I think, how is that possible that there can be seven churches with those kind of names in a row with no impact on the local community? How is that possible? How is it possible? Why have you even got more than one church there? That doesn't make any sense to me. We are called to have an impact. We as a church have an amazing opportunity to serve God in this community and where we live. So we're going to look at a woman who, because I like women, of course, in the Bible. So we're going to look at a woman who had an amazing impact. And this particular woman wasn't somebody that you would think of. And so uh, Fola is going to come and read for us Joshua 2, verse 1 to 11. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is it coming through? Okay. So. Um, Joshua 2, verses 1 to 11. Uh, now, Joshua of son of Nun, uh, secretly sent two spies uh, from Shetan. Uh, go look over the land, and he said, especially Jericho. Um, so they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them, she said. She said, 
Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flask she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord had, has given you this land and that great, and a, a great fear of you has fallen upon us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And when you did to Sihon and Hog, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. Verse 11. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Amen. Thank you for that. So we're going to look at Rahab. We're going to use the story of Rahab to look at what it means to have vision and have our feet planted in the right place. Just look at somebody and say to you, where are your feet planted? You see, it actually matters where we're planted. We can't do the thing where we say, well, uh, uh, Saturday night my feet are over here doing whatever I'm doing, but on Sunday I'm here. It doesn't work. As I said, I've been working in the prison for a long time. And uh, one of the guys who was there talked about his, his dad, who was the pastor, and how he used to be on the steps of the church doing his drug deals before he went into the service. And some of us kind of go, oh, that's shocking. But you know what? Some of us are doing the same thing. Not with drugs, but with other things. All the other times I'm doing this, hey, but when I need to, yeah, I'm here, Lord. Where are your feet planted? Because actually your vision depends on it. Where you plant your feet will give you a real understanding of where your vision is, where that clarity is, how crisp is that vision that you have? How do you understand it? So the story of Rahab. So Rahab, number one, number one is be available. Look at somebody and be available. The Christian faith is not about having all your ducks in a row. The Christian faith is not about having all the answers. The Christian faith is not about everything being perfect. Actually, often God tells us to do things when everything isn't, doesn't look right, doesn't look perfect, because that's a step of faith. The Christian faith is faith. We do things in faith. When people are getting married, it, they, don't, they can go to premarital classes, they can have deliverance, they can go to meetings, they can read books. I did it all. We read, I read every book. We went to pre-marriage. You can do all sorts of things before you get married. But guess what? You still have to walk up that aisle in faith and marry that person. You don't, and I think the aisle is fantastic because that's a great opportunity for you to go, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> you got all that time to... You don't go up the aisle halfway and stop and go, yeah, just before I finish, get there, I just want to check. Can I just check out a few things before I take the full? You don't do it, do you? When you get to the aisle, that is you saying, I'm in. And you don't know everything. You don't have everything. It's not possible. That's not how marriage is. We have to be available God tells us to be available. Not to be available next week when we think we've got it worked out. 
Not to be available when we finish that degree. Not to be available when all of our prayers have been answered. God says, be available now. We need to be available. We need to make, Pastor Aisha said it, about a covenant and a commitment. We make that with God. Whatever. You know, you marry that person and one day you turn over and they breathe on you and you think, I don't remember reading about this in the book. It's true, isn't it? It was lovely. I said to someone this morning, how are you? They said, yeah, great. I said, how is married life? And they said, best decision I ever made. Isn't that lovely? You wait, no. It's It's true. We make those decisions because we're trusting God, don't we? You have to. You have to say, Lord, I'm going into this in faith. Church, we have said to God, Lord, we want to be blessed to impact. We're doing it in faith. All the things that you've got planned for this year, God, we're doing it in faith because we believe you. Not because we've got all the finances, because we haven't. Not because we've got all the people to be there, because we haven't. But we're doing it because we believe in a God who brings about change. Rahab said, I'm available. This woman was a prostitute. In fact, she had her house near the entrance of the city because that was a good location. She could, she could see everyone who was coming in. And even better still, she thought, listen, rather than just trying to find the right guys, let me just create an inn. So come and stay at the inn. And while you're here, we could just, you know, make it happen. She was a very clever woman. She made herself available. And in this story, we see that she made herself available to these guys. Why? Because she knew they had an anointing. She knew there was something about these guys. These guys carried something. They had come with something from God, and they were seeking out that land, and they knew what they were looking for. She made herself available. Church, if you don't make yourself available, you're going to miss it. Because you know what? God's going to do it anyway. 2019, what God has given to us, you know what God's going to do it anyway, and I'm excited about that. God is going to do it anyway. But you know what would be even better is if we were all doing it too. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be awesome if we got to the prayer meeting? I don't know if David was saying it in faith, but when he was doing his section at the prayer meeting, he was going, yeah, and um, it's great to see people here, and da-da-da-da, and, and, you know, when we were here, and this room would be... And Sandra and I were looking, looking at each other thinking, this is more people than we have ever seen at a night prayer meeting. And, and David was... And we were, we were just like, wow, this we've never seen... It would be great to get to that room and think, we need a bigger space, because this, is, this doesn't hold us. It would be great for the online system that we use. We'd have to go to some other system because the online system just doesn't function with the amount of people we've got praying online. Or that we, exceptional women, that the first week the tickets are available, Pastor Aisha has to get up and say, sorry, if you wanted a ticket, you're too late. Church, we want to all be there because we want to see God transform Greenwich through us. That's how it's going to happen. The children that we work with on the, on the estate, We've seen families saved and move away and they text and send messages about what they, oh, the church isn't like how church is, but it's a good church. And they're miles away and we think, wow, God, you did something for that child who was five and that woman is now married with her children in a church. That's our God, isn't it? 
our God is going to change Greenwich because we're here. So, make yourself available. Pastor Aisha quoted this this morning. Mary said to the angel, I mean, imagine, you're a virgin. And some of you people, I was just going to say this to you guys, actually. Exceptional Women is on Saturday. If you're single and you want a wife, you might want to just hang around at the end. As they're coming out, just, would you like a lift somewhere? Just, just, just an idea. Just... Um, it's an idea. I know, you know what, some of, some of you are waiting for God to drop your partner out of the sky, and that, that's a really lovely idea. It's a lovely idea, but it's, it's unlikely. I'm not saying that it won't happen. You better hope they're alive when they land, but... But I know people that also went to online Christian dating agencies and said and have married and had children and, are living, and they're living for God, and it's all wonderful. So what I'm saying is our priority is that we seek God and we make ourselves available. We don't know how it's going to happen, but make yourself available. And so Mary says, and this is incredible, this is a virgin, and she's a, a girl who has said, I'm going to wait, I'm, I'm going to follow, follow my culture, which says that we have to wait, and so I'm following my culture, and she's waiting, she's got her husband planned, it's all organized, and suddenly she's got to be publicly humiliated because she's pregnant. And what does she say to God? She says, okay, Lord, whatever your will is, church be available. It's, sometimes it's really messy when we serve the Lord. Sometimes it's really, really messy. You get saved. Nobody in your family is saved. They're all really, really nasty to you. They think you're crazy. Or you're called to pray for somebody, and you go and pray for them in faith. It's a big step of faith for you to pray for that person. And you pray for them, and you say to them, how is it? And they go, yeah, it's actually worse. And you're thinking, oh my goodness, Lord, this was a step of faith. You know what? Sometimes it's messy. Is it God? It's still God. Mary's situation was very, very messy. But was it God? It was God. So church, make yourself available. Because actually, even when it's messy, God is in it and he does great things. Look what came out of Mary's obedience. She said, okay, I don't know how you're going to do it. It doesn't make sense to me. I can't see that happening, but God, whatever you say, make yourself available. And then what it says in that same passage in Luke 1:34, I love this verse. It says, this is what the angel said to her, for no word from God will ever fail. Just look at someone and say that. No word from God will ever fail. So number one, make yourself available. Number two, be in the know. Rahab made sure that she was in the know. When these guys came, she knew who they were. She's, the verse says, listen, we know about you guys. In fact, we knew you were coming so much that the, the fear of God is throughout the whole city because we've heard what you godly men can do. And so actually, our whole city is petrified because we know that you guys are here. She was in the know. She wasn't ignorant. Church, are you in the know? We had our leaders meeting a few weeks ago. We went away for the day. And, uh, and Pastor Joe pulls out the church calendar, which you're just looking at and thinking, wow, that, that in a year? And he pulls out the church calendar, and people are going, oh, really? I didn't know we did that. What? We do that? I didn't know about that. Church, be in the know. Christian concerns, sign up to their website and get their updates. 
Be in the know. You know, people are being persecuted for their jobs. We need to be praying. We need to be signing up and saying, I am petitioning against that. Do you know that when the government receives so many signatures for a petition, they have to, not it's optional, it's not optional that they look at it, they have to look at it. So when Christians sign up for a petition and there's enough signatures, they have to review what that is. Church, be in the know. We have got to be in the know. We have to seek God's face and say, God, what do you say about this? What do you want to do about this? We know what's going on over here. We know what the world is saying. But what do you have to say about it? Are you in the know? Psalm 14 talks about God looking for a people who loved him, but they were all corrupt. Just look at someone else and say, but that's not you, is it? We are a people who have our feet in God. There's no corruption here. God can look at us and say, yep, great, right, let's go, guys. Let's do this. Joshua 2.9 says that she knew that these men were men of God and that they had an authority, and so she made sure that she was in touch with them. In fact, she knew if these men are godly men, then they're going to do something, and I want to make sure that I'm in the know. I want to make sure that I am connected with the right people. You need to connect with the right people. It's not just going to happen. The things aren't just going to happen to us. And on a Wednesday night, when we're driving to the estate to work with the children on the estate in the evening, we've had a hard, a hard day at work. But it's not those children, those families are not going to get saved by us just sitting back in some corner somewhere, hoping, Lord, please save them. We're on the estate with them, seeing their six children taken away from them because of their lifestyle, drug use. We are the ones who are there. We're in the know. We know what's happening in that community. What is happening in your neighbourhood? What is happening where you live? What is happening in Greenwich and in Croydon? We want to be a people in the know. Number three, make a commitment. It's a sacrifice. As I said, we can't be half in and half out. You can't half serve God. He talks about being cold, um, being hot and cold. We need to be a people who have made a commitment. Rahab put her life on the line. She said, she knew that by performing that act, she was, she was performing treason. The men came to the door, they said, give us those guys, and she wouldn't give them up, because she knew that these men had given their, had, were serving God. And so she made the decision to say, whatever you have, I want it. She didn't know what that meant. That might have meant she would lose her life. But she said, whatever you have, I want it. She made a commitment but it was a sacrifice. Do you know the choices that you make for God are a sacrifice? It's a sacrifice. And when I was in my car to go to the prayer meeting and I was beginning to moan, I, I just felt the Lord say, and I was saying to myself, what am I talking about? Oh, this is a real sacrifice going to the prayer meeting. And even just saying that word, I thought, my goodness, what am I talking about? Sacrifice? Jesus gave his life. What am I talking about? How can I even use the word sacrifice? It's not a sacrifice, is it? We need to be a people who are committed and make a sacrifice, not half-hearted. And what happened because Rahab did that? Because Rahab did that, her family was saved. Number four, blessed to impact. Look at someone and say, blessed to impact. 
Make a decision and live, live by it. We, in the 1st of January, don't have a whole list of, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. Make a decision and live by it. Lord, I want to be blessed to impact. Rahab's decision meant that she was blessed and there was an impact. Her whole family was saved because of the choice that she made. Joshua 6.17 said, The city and all that were in it were, de were destroyed by the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who were with her in her house were spared because she hid the spies. Everybody was destroyed. She was the only one and her family in her house survived. You know, we have a privileged position to be able to go and share the gospel of truth and see people saved because of the choices that we make. I'm saved, my family are saved because of the choices that my family have made. Number five, say again to somebody, blessed to impact. The family was saved. Who wants more of their family saved? I want my family saved. I don't want to be going to heaven and they're not with me. I want my family saved. The decisions that you make have an impact. Rahab's lifestyle had an impact. We have that choice. Do you know that before Billy Graham got saved, there was one man who went out to the field. Billy Graham, was on, uh, his parents were farmers. And, and he went out to the field where Billy Graham lived. And he prayed, and this is what he prayed. He said, Lord, please, will you out of this town bring one person, save one person who will have an impact on the world? That was his prayer. And the next week there was a mission and Billy Graham got saved. You know, your prayer can have an incredible impact. So let's come with faith and say, Lord, I want to see you do it. So where are your feet? What is your legacy? You see, your past doesn't determine your present or your future. But the decision you make in your present will have an impact on your future. Rahab made a decision in her present that had an impact on her future. This is how Rahab, the prostitute, is described in the Bible. It says in Hebrews, sorry, it says in, in Hebrews 11.31, by faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed, and those who were with those who were disobedient. In James 2.25 it says, In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodgings to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. What's your legacy? Look at someone else and say, What is your legacy? Now ask them like you mean it. What is your legacy? What is your legacy? What are you leaving behind? You will know what Billy Graham left behind. You may know what Smith Whistleworth left behind. There are people who, when they die, we know what they've left behind. What do you leave behind? What is your legacy? Rahab was a prostitute. She was a woman who lived in the world. She lived a lifestyle that was corrupt, that was vulgar, and yet there was a day when she said, I make a commitment, I'm putting both my feet in. And that day changed her life, her family's life, and the future. Do you know that Jesus came through the line of Rahab? It's the same, it's that same line. Isn't that incredible? And so church, I just want to encourage you, put both feet in 
and leave a legacy. Let's stand and I'm going to pray. Let's stand together and pray. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, that you call us to have a legacy. And that legacy is not in isolation. We're not doing it on our own. We're doing it, Father, because we have Christ in us. And so I just want to pray for every single person here that, Lord, whether we have got a plan, we've got an idea, we have made our vision, our purpose for this year, Lord, I pray that you would give us vision Lord, in the name of Jesus, over us as individuals in our personal life and as a church, open our eyes to see the vision you have for us. Like Rahab, let us put both feet in and say, I want my family saved, I want my community saved. Father, help us, Lord, to grasp hold of what you have for us so that, Lord, we will see transformation and change in our community. Lord, each one of us, that we would have a legacy that says, I have made a difference. I have lived for Christ. I am running the race. I am striving to do what God has called me to do. And Father, I just pray for those who still feel an impact of their past on their present. Lord, that made the decision that they make today, Lord, give them a great, incredible, awesome, anointed future, that their past would not have an impact, but the Father, the decision they made today, Lord God, will, Father God, give them a revelation of the future that you have for them, so that, Lord, when we look back, we are able to say, this is my legacy, in the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Uh, that's